You are listening to the Stillbirth Matters podcast, presented by the Star Legacy Foundation, a national nonprofit founded on the belief that every pregnancy deserves a happy ending. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider visiting StarLegacyFoundation.org and make a financial donation. Our guest for this episode is Jen Corey, Family Support Coordinator for the Star Legacy Foundation. Jen has many years of experience as a labor and delivery nurse and is certified in perinatal loss. She is frequently recognized for her passion in working with perinatal loss families and in helping them begin their loss journey. During this episode, I spoke with Jen about how COVID-19 is changing bereavement for many families. Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Yeah, and, and we have a lot to talk about because this is a crazy new world we're living in that no one could have predicted. And I think everyone's looking for people to make sense of it and talk about um, what has changed, what has not changed. So thank you for making time for us. And I think my first question for you is, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has created challenges for everyone, regardless of how big or how small. But but one of the concerns we have for pregnancy is the impact this could have on birth outcomes. What advice do you have for pregnant women during this time who are probably more anxious than they would be under any other circumstance? Absolutely. This is such a scary time, and there's just so much unknown, and then it's changing day by day, hour by hour. Um, Some of the things that I would definitely recommend for moms that are pregnant, I would start with the easy things, first of all, of just uh, self-care, just making sure you're eating healthy meals, drinking water, um, getting plenty of rest. And, you know, mental health plays a big part in this also. Uh, Getting outside, taking a walk, getting some fresh air, um, staying away from the big groups of people, uh, trying to stay kind of hunkered down at home. And sticking to a routine is very important, too, of each day getting up, showering, getting dressed, um, doing the things you normally would do so you're not stuck in a rut. And it's a hard time because there's a lot of loss of control and a lot of loss of choices. Um, So some of the stress relief things that I would recommend, yoga, meditation, journaling, I'm trying to avoid having the TV on all the time or the radio listening to all of the the updates and all the talk about COVID. And the one thing that we worry about, not the one thing, um, one of many, is that people are so encouraged to stay home right now and to not go into the hospital or the clinic that our, our worry is for pregnant moms, that we want them to still trust their bodies, trust their gut instinct. And if you feel like something is not right, you have a question, you're concerned about something, absolutely you need to go in and be checked out. You need to call first and just say you're coming, but we can't let the fear of COVID keep people from going in to be checked out. So getting to know your baby, your baby's movements, and just trusting when you have that feeling like, I just feel like something's not right, or I'm concerned, um, I'm having these symptoms, whatever it may be, that you do need to be seen. 
Um, it's difficult with doctor's appointments now, too, because they have changed prenatal care to every other appointment on average of being seen in the clinic and then either doing your other appointments by phone or by um, telehealth. And so without the doctor or midwife laying eyes on you, it can be difficult. And you may think, oh, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to worry about that. Um, keeping in close contact with your physician, midwife, whoever it may be, and not being afraid to pick up that phone and say, I'm concerned, I think I need to be seen. Um, if you're sick and not feeling well, if you have been around a family member that's not feeling well, don't be afraid to call and say, I'm concerned, I don't know what to do. Um, a large point, par portion of the care is over the phone and telehealth. And so you can't be afraid to pick up that phone and call in. That's really good advice because we're, we're in this world where we are barraged with messages about staying home. And I can imagine that if you feel like something might be wrong, it might be easy to talk yourself out of going to the hospital. So I'm, I'm really glad you shared that advice. And bridging into that, I'd like to know I think people might be making up stories in their head about what hospitals look like right now and how, how much have they changed. So how is labor and delivery looking different right now, both in general, but also for families who are experiencing losses during this time? So overall, um, in general, labor and delivery, when you are going in to have a baby or when you're going in just to be seen, um, they want you to call ahead of time so that they tend to have separate entrances for the healthy people that are coming into the hospital versus the people that are coming in with symptoms or being sick. So you need to call ahead. Um, you may be met at the door with a mask or they may ask you to wear one of your own masks in. Um, They're not letting people in hospitals just to walk in and find their way. They will be greeted at the door and asked what they're there for and directed up directly to the unit. Um, they're not allowing visitors, which many people have already heard. Um, so I would encourage people to call ahead and find out what the policies are that will help kind of put your mind at ease. Um, if they are allowing only one person, then you choose who that may be. When you get to the hospital, you will be screened and so will your visitor. Uh, you know, you'll have a mask to put on, but then you will be asked all of the questions. Do you have a fever? Have you been exposed? Are you sick? You'll both be screened. And then when you get up to the unit, you'll be put directly in a room. And in a lot of hospitals, what's happening is you and your support, support person then have to stay in that room. So some of the things that may look different, um, if you're there in labor, a lot of times you can get up and walk in the hallways that's not happening you have to stay confined in your room your support person may not be able to leave the room once they get there so that would mean um, packing some snacks from home um, having everything you need with you uh, some hospitals are not letting that support person say leave go home and come back again they have to stay the entire time so if you're in a room a labor room or a postpartum room without a window it could get to feel a little closed in after a while um, but it's just doing our best with what we've got going on. You may be asked to wear a mask whenever anybody's in the room with you. You and your support person would have a mask on for the 
healthcare providers' safety as well as your own. And it's just difficult because all of your providers are going to be masked, gowned, gloves, hat, face shield. So it kind of takes away that personal feeling that you get. And then with all the social distancing, you know, it's just difficult when you come in and if you're upset or you're scared or whatever it may be, that they can't just walk up and give you a hug or sit and hold your hand, that those personal touches get taken away too. And that makes it really difficult. Um, one tip I would give people that I just heard the other day was when you're bringing your bags into the hospital, either cover them in a garbage bag, something like that, so that you can set them down and not have to worry about disinfecting everything. Um, somebody had mentioned using a hard-sided suitcase, the wheels, because you can always just wipe that down with disinfectant afterwards. Uh, another piece that's difficult for some of these families is they choose to have a doula who's with them to help them get through their labor and they are not being allowed in, but some doulas have been um, offering their services by computer. So you could bring your computer and set that up and do FaceTime, um, some kind of technology like that. And then one more piece is that some hospitals are starting to go towards now testing people before any procedure, meaning induction, C-section, um, those kind of things. So if you have a scheduled date, you may be tested for COVID a day or two beforehand to make sure you're negative before coming into the hospital. Now, for families that have found out their baby has died and they need to either come in and be induced or have a C-section, or they're coming into the hospital and being told this horrific news, this really is difficult because no visitors. So it's you and your support person. You can't, there are exceptions, I should say. Some hospitals will allow compassionate exceptions, but it's case by case, depending on what's going on on the unit and in that hospital. But not being able to call all your friends and family and have them there with you for support and for your support person that you have with you, they don't have a support person either. And then everybody's wearing masks, everybody's gowned and gloved, and you just miss that personal piece. Somebody's sitting with you, holding your hand. Somebody walking in and your nurse giving you a big hug. Not to say these things don't happen, but obviously with social distancing, it just feels very awkward then. Um, should I be hugging? Should I be holding hands? What should I be doing? And then we've done all this work on encouraging people to we can call a professional photographer to come and take photos. Uh, maybe you have a clergy person that you want to come in and do some sort of baptism or naming ceremony or even just say a prayer with your family. All of these things are not allowed. So now we are trying to um, punt and come up with different ideas. And it can be really challenging. And there's so many things you don't think about as a family going through that situation that you look to your healthcare workers to kind of guide you through. So we're making sure nurses are able to take photos and to feel confident taking good photos. And we'll, hospital chaplain can come in. Um, again, technology can play a huge piece in this. If you have a clergy person, you could do it by FaceTime. If you know, your entire family could be on FaceTime to meet your baby, but it's still, it's just not the same. 
And now we're seeing, in general, people having um, quick, quicker discharges to home, meaning we know you are being exposed to germs while you're in the hospital, so they try and get people home sooner. And if you are a family that just lost your child, you're already kind of in that shock phase, you don't really know what's going on, and now you may feel like you're being rushed out of the hospital and rushed to make decisions. Um, and what it looks like for when you go home. Um, what type of resources? We can't say, oh, we're going to send a home care nurse out to you. We're not, you know, follow up in the clinic tomorrow. All of these things don't happen the way they normally would. Uh, support groups, therapists, all of those things that we're sending these people home in the middle of one of the most horrific times of their life to basically say, go home and stay at home in your house with just each other even if you know if there is a support person maybe there isn't so those are really challenging times and as a healthcare worker it is so difficult to watch this happen and to imagine a family going home and then not even being able to um, have their whole extended family with them and kind of scooping them up and taking care of them and then it also falls for funerals and decisions to be made that at some, some states, uh, people are being rushed, saying, we need to know now, do you want cremation or burial? And it needs to happen quickly. So again, being rushed into a decision you never, ever thought you'd have to make in your life. And then funerals now or a memorial service. Um, some places allowing 10 people max. And so again, to think of this horrific time that you're going through and to not be able to have your friends and family and people to lean on there with you. It is just devastating to think about um, support groups, therapists, and then follow up. We encourage these women to go um, follow, follow up with their physician so that we can check in on their mental health and their grieving and their physical status. But if that if that appointment ends up being a phone call, it's really hard to assess a person as to their well-being and how they're doing. We can tell a lot by just the way they sit down in the room with us and what their appearance is, how their eye contact is, all these things up to how their mental health is, how they're doing. So we lose all of that. And I just worry that we're sending these people home and they're just going to sink further and further into their their grief without all these touch points along the way. Yeah, it'd be easy to think that my emotions, my trauma isn't valid because of the state of our world right now. And as I hear you talk about some of that stuff, the, uh, the hospital experience, when our daughter Reese was stillborn, some of the things looking back that I appreciated the most about our hospital experience just simply aren't permitted right now. You know, you have a, a hospital room full of family and friends and pastors. It's like a revolving door of support that's so important and crying and hugging nurses, crying with, with and hugging nurses who, who weren't required to wear masks at the time and staying at the hospital an extra night just because we weren't ready to go home having a memorial service that was open to the public and I think I got hundreds of hugs that day and mm -hmm. these were all important parts of the healing process that I definitely took for granted until right now hearing you talk about the things that are stripped away from people so I'm wondering 
are there some ways that families can be creative to still honor their babies and properly grieve during this this challenging time? Absolutely. So one of the things I would encourage families, if I you know, if I could talk to them before they went in, is make sure and bring a camera if you have it or your cell phone and take lots of pictures. If it's something even you have to do yourself, please do that because as you know, Chris, that pictures are so important to have, even though it may feel odd at the time. It's something you're going to want to have. The nurses can help. Um, anybody in the hospital can help with that also. Do the mementos. Let them do footprints and molds and whatever it may be. All those tangible things you can bring home. And again, technology can be helpful in this case too, where allow your family to, you know, if you, if you can do FaceTime or Zoom, whatever it may be, where your family can see your baby and see you holding your baby and can kind of be there with you, even though not physically, but at least they're part of the experience with you and can meet your baby that way. One way that I would say is, is really neat that I encourage people normally, but would be fantastic, is to make videos. So if you have your phone, make a video of your support person holding the baby, um, rocking your baby. Um, have them read a book to the baby while you're videoing. That way you've got all of that real-time all those experiences that you can keep with you. And again, I would just encourage, take your time, even though it feels like you're going to be rushed or you feel like I just need to get out of here. I need to be home. Now more than ever is the time to take your time. This is your time with your baby, your time together. And, you know, I encourage this normally, but during this time when you go home to kind of that lack of having everybody around you for support, this is when it's really important to take the time, ask lots of questions, uh, make sure you have resources. One thing that I have seen become a little more accepted too is another way to carry on your baby's legacy is to um, donate your breast milk. That can be an option for some moms that they may want to pump and donate their milk. And it's just a, a, a way to them to carry on that baby's legacy. And when it comes to planning a memorial service or a funeral, whatever it may be, again, technology, um, I actually just last night spoke with a patient that I've been working with and their baby, they knew the baby wouldn't survive long after birth and it lived an hour and a half and she delivered in April here. So she ran into the only 10 people allowed for the funeral. So she had her sister video the entire funeral and memorial service and then she had somebody else doing photos and they put together a beautiful slideshow with the video so they shared the link on facebook they gave it to all of their friends and family they could watch it live on facetime or they could watch this beautiful video that was put to music with the pictures and part of the live snippets of the video so at least those family members could feel part of it um, they could be there in spirit, they could be there and share in this because it's so difficult to sit there with only a couple people. And then not only that, that video is just a beautiful keepsake for the family. Um, you could always plan to do a funeral memorial service, you know, later as, as hopefully some of these restrictions start to lift. You could do something private now and then involve your whole family later on. Another great idea is to send out um, a birth announcement. 
to make up a beautiful, you know, cardstock, however it may be, you go on Shutterfly and do your birth announcements that you send out a birth announcement about your baby. It doesn't matter that your baby didn't come home with you. You send this out and, you know, our baby girl was born on this date at this time. And then however you word it, um, unfortunately, our baby girl went to heaven or whatever your belief system is. Um, sending that out, then people are aware, they have a picture, they feel like they're involved in, in the process. Um, some families have been planting things or trying to be like make a garden, um, plant a tree, do something where they're outside and then a place they can be um, sitting next to the tree they planted or each day working in that garden um, with flowers or if it's seeds, whatever it may be, as a place to to be with their baby and to talk about their baby and think about their baby. And then I just want to stress to all the family and friends out there of families that have lost a baby is to check on them. Now, when you can't just show up at their house all the time, call, text, send a card, um, do something, but please keep checking on them because they are going to be so secluded now and reaching out for help is not an easy thing to do. So just be sure you're, you're, you're sending their good, your good thoughts to them and talk about their baby. Um, call and ask, tell me about your baby. How are you doing today? Um, what, what's something I can do for you? Just so that they don't feel like they're going home, locked up, and all alone there. So I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity just to ask you a general question about your job. Uh, I know your title is you're the Family Support Coordinator for the Star Legacy Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and what support services you offer? Absolutely. So my background, I was a labor and delivery nurse for 20 years, and that's what led me to this job, is knowing that these families need more support. They need um, compassionate care while they're in the hospital, and yet when they get home is when they really need the support. So Star Legacy, we offer support groups that are virtual, they're online, they're all free of charge, and they're basically, I like to say, drop-in sessions, meaning you don't have to register and then attend for six weeks, and then the, it ends. You, you come as you need to, and you don't need to show up if you're not feeling it. So we have five different support groups that are online right now, and actually that works out well because everything is virtual these days. Um, but what's really interesting is we have seen our support group registrations have tripled in March and in April, that we know the support is needed, and we know that this is a great way for right now for people to get the support they need when they can't go attend a local support group or meet up with other parents um, so that's been huge. And we've also offered extra sessions that we keep normally, you know, some of them are the first and the third Monday of the month. We're now offering extra sessions as we can get them on the calendar because they're so well attended and we know how much support is needed right now. Um, the other piece we offer is what's called a peer companion program. So I will have a mom or a dad or a grandma or somebody reach out to me and say, boy, I just really wish I could talk to somebody. Um, I think it would really help. And so we have uh, parents, family members that have experienced a loss and they go through our two-hour training and they are at the point in their own grief that they feel they want to give back. They want to be there to support others that are going through this. 
And so I will reach out to one and just say, hey, would you be willing to talk with a mom and set them up to talk? And it can be so nice for these family members that are fresh in their grief to talk to somebody that's been there, to look at them and say, wow, he's made it three years. If he can make it three years, I can do this. And they can just talk openly and these parents don't need to worry, you know, are they going to think I'm nuts because I'm thinking this? Are they going to think I'm crazy to ask this? Um, It can be a great support system. And then I get calls all the time for resources. And it can be things that I never even thought of before. Or um, a lot of the normal ones are, you know, what, what funeral home would you recommend? Or... Where's a good therapist in my area? So now with telehealth, I can say, okay, you're in New York. Uh, let me find, okay, this this woman here does telehealth and she's trained in perinatal health. Um, so why don't you try her? I set people up with counselors, therapists, um, parents in their area, whatever it may be. Uh, people contact me because they have financial issues. They can't afford Uh, What do I do to bury my child? I can't afford to do that. Uh, I need help with my photos. I'm going back to work. What do I do? What do I tell people? How do I handle this? And a big one lately has been about just basic support. We also have a support line that people can call anytime, day or night. And if they just need to talk, it can just be a matter of I'm, I'm having a really, really tough day. Um, without my without my son here today, and I'm really struggling. And we can just talk. Sometimes just having somebody to listen is all they need. Other times it may be, I'm so stressed right now. I'm so worried about everything. I don't know what to do. Um, stress reduction tips, uh, how to work through a panic attack, um, mindfulness even, how to try and shut out all this negativity and just focus on my baby and my pregnancy. And the nice part, too, is there's all kinds of things now online that I have tons of resources for. Free yoga sessions, mindfulness, meditation, that kind of thing. We have uh, lists of books. So if people call and say, uh, my five-year-old son is really struggling without his little brother that was born, stillborn. And so I can give them tips for books, uh, websites that would be great for them any of those kind of um, resources. And then one of the other ones lately has been actually supporting the healthcare workers themselves. I've been getting calls from uh, nurses, doctors, whoever it may be, just really struggling now because of the way the hospital is and that these healthcare workers want so badly to give good, compassionate care and for these families to know that they are loved and that they just want the best care for them. So finding resources for healthcare workers even and stress reduction and mindfulness and yoga and being able to talk through a really bad situation that they may have had that they can't talk to other people about. I've also had calls lately from people all around the United States, things like, I need to find a new physician. I don't like the doctor I have. Um, I need a high-risk doctor, and I live in a very rural area. How do I go about doing that? And pregnancy after loss is a big topic, and so we get lots of calls about that. And we offer childbirth classes online that are free of charge for people going through pregnancy after loss. 
um, the medical portion, but then also the emotional piece and how to things like what to expect and how to work through those triggers and fears. Not only are they scared to death as it is for childbirth now, then you add in all these restrictions and the COVID fear and the isolation, and it can make these pregnancies really difficult. So my, you know, my job is just kind of that big overall finding resources, supporting families. Um, yeah, those are the basic things. Well, Jen, the work you do is always important, but it's even more important now. And this is a clearly a tough time to be pregnant and experiencing a loss is always a, a life shattering experience, but COVID-19 presents even more challenges. So thank you for all that you do. And, and thanks for providing such helpful tips for families on our podcast today. Absolutely. More than happy to do it. That's all for this episode of the Stillbirth Matters podcast. I'm Chris Duffy. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.